Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, Sterling Vineyard. Woo! Um, it's an absolute privilege to be able to join you this morning. Being Easter Sunday, wow, brilliant, so good, so good. And um, I was just thinking, you know, you guys, you know, very much uh, family, we're fellow vineyard churches, but also uh, with the recent marriage of Hannah to my best friend and brother-in-law, Stan. I guess that really does cement uh, this relationship. Um, yeah, you're, you're stuck with me as well. <laughs> anyway, every blessing to all of you. Happy, happy Easter. Uh, I read something the other day that really made me giggle. Uh, a group of Israeli um, ophthalmologists, gosh, say that three times quickly, it's difficult, are working on some eye drops uh, and they're claiming that these eye drops can rectify eyesight and they've been testing them on pigs so don't I have no clue how uh, they, they, they the, the pigs are sort of their eyesight is tested but um, but but they're saying and they're claiming that uh, the development of these drops could sort out people's eyesight and I just love that because I don't know about you guys this year has been a year of screens hasn't it and uh, we've been using so much screens my eyesight it's definitely got worse. I've got to use the old glasses, so sign me up. But I love technology. I think it's incredible that uh, what us humans develop and um, have invented over the years. I mean, my children are a screen generation. I remember Xanthi, my youngest, touching the TV screen and thinking, Dad, this thing's not working because it's not a touch screen. You know, so used to an iPad being brought up on iPad. Um, and uh, a couple of days ago, I was up uh, just um, on on our, watching TV, but I was um, on the phone because it was connecting, and I was on YouTube trying to um, search for something. And every time I went to search for it, something else came up, and it was just like, what is going on here? Every single time, and I'd delete and start again. Couldn't for the life of me work out what was wrong. I thought that somebody had hacked me, and then that one minute, it said, uh, you know, I'm trying to put something in, Callus Live, and it's coming up, James Juice is hot. <laughs> and it's like, ah, what's this? I didn't put this in. And then I asked my 18-year-old daughter, India, to come sit with me, and we were trying to work out what it is. And then on the search bar came up, nice yellow top, indie, And she was freaked out. I was freaked out. And then we heard the giggling on the stairs. Tori and my uh, youngest, uh, Xanthi had, 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 you know, uh, had got their phones out and they were messing with the searching. Honestly, it was absolutely hilarious. They completely got us. But we love, we love technology. We love the incredible, inspirational developments that humanity have come up with, and they, in so many ways, change the how we live, don't they? But I'm not sure if they can fully change the who we are. It's Easter Sunday, and millions over all over the world are celebrating this day. And it's a big day for us Christians. It's the, we're celebrating the very center, epicenter, the concrete foundation in which our faith and our relationship with God is built on. With the truth of the resurrection. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, 
then all of God's promises in Jesus go live. The resurrection is the very proof of who he said he was. And, and more than that, the, you know, everything that he said, everything that he taught is reliable. The promises of there is life after this life. After death, there is life and it's found in him. Eternity is secured for those of us who believe. It's incredible. It is a big day for you and me as we celebrate this Easter Sunday. I think if we really begin to understand what's happened, and not just understand it up here, but actually experience something of the Easter resurrection in our own lives, it'll, it, it, it will change us forever. Change not only our sort of philosophical perspective of the world and how to live in our future, uh, but a promise in, in the resurrection is that, as Paul would say, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. And I don't know about you, but I want more of that power, more of the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life, making me more like him and being able to do the things that Jesus did and to continue what Jesus started. The resurrection is the beginning of a new people with a new mission and a new life to be had. And, uh, and so if this is true, if it was true for them back there in the Bible, it's true for you and me today. It's brilliant. So, you know, let's not, as we open up the Bible this morning, let's not rush through the, maybe for some of us, a familiar passage in the book of John. But, you know, through lockdown, I've never seen so many people walking and cycling. But the beauty of that is it slows us down and we see and we smell and we hear things that we wouldn't hear in a car as we whiz by. So why don't you pick up your Bibles? We're going to read from John chapter 19. I'm going to start from verse 38. Friday has happened. Uh, we land with Jesus on the cross in agony with John and Mary and Mary Magdalene watching on as he shouts, it's finished. The finality of that moment as he gives up his life. In verse 38 it says, And later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission he came and he took the body away and he was accompanied by Nicodemus the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a whole load of myrrh and aloes, 75 pounds, uh, and taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it in the spices and in the strips of linen. This was according, within accordance to the Jewish customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which nobody had been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearly nearby, they laid Jesus there. Friday. Saturday is a quiet day. The Sabbath had come. 
most people would have been in lockdown. 20, chapter 20. Just as the first rays of sun begin to break, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It seems like the other one is John, and John's fitter. <laughs> he bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but they did not go in. Simon Peter, who was behind him, probably arrived puffing and panting, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen there, as well as the burial cloth that had been round the head of Jesus. The cloth was folded up by itself, separated from the linen, and finally the other disciple would reach the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand, though, from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and there she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. I wonder what we would have done. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? thinking he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and my God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Wow. What a, what a weekend. You know, when we read this passage, the first thing I just want to say is this. That as Jesus shouts, it's finished on the cross, it's like something else is going on. His death, his final breaths have done something amongst a group of people. It's Look at that, the first people we meet in, in, today in this story of the Easter people are both Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus who were secret believers. They, 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 they had obviously met with Jesus, and it says that, doesn't it, in John's Gospel, that Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cover of darkness in the secret of the night because he had questions to ask him. He wanted to understand what Jesus was saying and claiming. It's interesting 
that the death of Jesus drew these men out of the shadows, out of the darkness, out of the night and into the light. Previously, they weren't, they didn't want to be associated with Jesus in the public arena, but they re that something's happened when he says it's finished, the horribleness, the injustice of it all. It's like it calls out to these two men that did believe in secret. I love that. That even in the death moment, the truth of who Jesus is, is calling people to himself. How many of us have been like Nicodemus who have come to God in the dark of the night under the cover of darkness and secrecy and ask God questions? How many of us in crisis have come to God and said, God, I need your help. Jesus, I need you. I want to understand you. How many of us have done that? How many of us have actually had a conversation with God and something has happened? Maybe you've suddenly experienced peace in your life in the dark, in the night, in the covered place. I had a friend of mine who did Alpha a number of years ago and she began to tell me about a time in her life where it was really tough and, and she said that she remembered it was dark and it was night and she, there, was, there was a darkness in her life and she was crying out for help and she began to cry out to Jesus. Um, she wouldn't have called herself a Christian at that point. But she said it was like God had suddenly reached in and begun to lift her up. She, it was felt, she felt like Jesus' hands had lifted her. But in the cool light of day, what do we do with those conversations? What do we do with the truth that we've heard in the night? Maybe for some of us, we do believe, we really do believe, but the peer pressure of our colleagues and, the, and our neighbours and our friends or, or whatever, in the light of day, it's, it's strong. And so what do we do? We suppress the conversations, even the experiences of the night. Jesus' death draws out these two people, draws out the secret believers. I don't know where you are today, but I want to say to you that Jesus died on the cross for you. You don't need to be secret about this anymore. Let's not be ashamed of Jesus. He is speaking to you this morning, this evening, in the dark. The conversations that you've had in the dark, let's bring them into the light. And so the first people we see here of these secret believers and the challenge of allowing the truth of who Jesus is to draw us out into the light. And then, and, and at least follow them. And where does it take us? It takes us into the garden where the tomb is and where the body is laid. And let's, let's just keep reading and unfolding the story because we're following now Mary. And so Mary, under the cover of darkness, she hurries to the tomb and to the tomb to finish the job, probably what the blokes had started. Like every, <laughs> like so many women, they're like, we need a woman's job on this. But she's there early because it's her love that motivates her. 
as soon as she can, she wants to be where? She wants to be where she last saw Jesus. And when she arrives, it's incredible, isn't it? The shock, the, oh my goodness, the tomb is open and the body is missing. Death is no longer here. But where is he? And so she legs it and tells Peter and John. And they, they, suddenly it's like some kind of Olympic race. You know, who can get to the tomb first? And Peter and John leg it back to the tomb. And it, and it, and it talks about how John gets there first and he's peering in. The Greek there is like a glance. They glances in. And then Peter comes past him and he doesn't stop at the entrance. He just goes straight in, just like this is nature. You know, jumping out of boats straight into the tomb. And what does he see? He finds that actually there is no body. Death is no longer in the tomb. Jesus is not there. Just bits of material. And what does it say? It says that they believed. What did they believe? They believed the body was missing. They believed that death was no longer here. Something has happened. Mary was right. And so they leave the tomb and head home with this question. With what has happened? What does this mean? The other Gospels say, what does this mean? I love that in the people, in the characters of John and Peter is an invitation to investigate. And maybe you're watching today and perhaps you're even exploring Christianity. Maybe you've got a friend like Mary who's who's been excited because something has happened and she and, and, and in their lives and they've come and they've said, Hey, you need to investigate the tomb. You need to investigate Easter. You need to investigate the Christian faith and the person of Jesus from the Bible, the historical figure, because He's not just some kind of figment of the imagination, but he's a real person who did some real stuff and claimed some real things. And you need to find out if he really did raise, uh, rise from the dead because it has implications. I remember a friend of mine, James, who definitely had done, let's say, a few paper rounds in life. I remember he came to faith. He came to know Jesus and I remember him saying to me and because it was like a crazy transformation I remember him saying you need to uh, you need to investigate you need to know for yourself and so with Peter and John is an invitation to investigate lots of my friends over the years have done alpha courses um, and asked questions and as they've done that they've come to know and even experience the reality of who Jesus is in the last 25 30 days we've uh, on our website on our Facebook site we've been posting three four minute testimonies of people from just about every age and stage of life who have encountered Jesus in some way and how he's changed their lives. I'd really encourage you to go and have a look and a listen to some of those stories because it's not just teenagers or older people. It's people who have grown up in faith, people who have had no faith background. It's people who have had other faith backgrounds 
and suddenly the Jesus of the Bible has come crashing in and changed their lives. I'd really encourage you to investigate. It's really interesting, as Peter and John leave the tomb, the other Gospels say that Jesus then comes and shows himself to Peter. My prayer is that this Easter the Lord would come to you and speak to you and answer some of your questions. But let's get back to the story, because what I love about this part of the story is that Mary Mary, who's seen there, goes there first, gets the guys, comes back. But Mary, in verse 10 says, uh, but no, sorry, 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb. She stood there crying uh, and she wept, uh, you know, because Ma Mary, Mary loved Jesus. You know, they say, she, you know, the, the saying is that when you're forgiven much, you love much. I want to say when you have a when you're forgiven big you love big you grieve big and here we have Mary and it's Mary that Jesus comes to it's Mary is the first person that gets to see the risen Jesus out of all the people that Jesus could have uh, revealed himself to he reveals himself to Mary first and I love that and I think there's a whole bunch of reasons why. And I think first and foremost is this. Mary, Mary had a hellish of a time of it. You know, it's, we don't know masses about her in the Bible. But what it does say, it says that she was acquainted with darkness and grief. The Bible talks of her uh, encountering Jesus and how he sets her free from being tormented by dark demonic forces. His words, his voice sets her free from that torment, from that anguish that no doubt fueled a destructive life. Jesus drove out this darkness. Echoes of Isaiah, that the Messiah would come and he would be anointed to do what? Set captives free. I love that. I don't know where you're at today, but here is a Mary who was captive to some stuff. Her life was restricted. In some ways, she's like in lockdown on the inside. She's, she's barely existing. She's not living. Jesus set her free. Wow. If you haven't already seen this new um, production called The Chosen, it's an app you can download and then watch uh, a number of episodes of the life of Jesus. There's a beautiful moment when Jesus sets Mary free. And it's definitely worth a watch. You see, when you're forgiven much, you love much. And we see that Mary followed Jesus wherever he went. In fact, <laughs> what I love about Mary, it's very probable that she's one of two women that gatecrash a posh dinner party where Jesus is the host. And she gatecrashes in and she pours um, perfume all over Jesus at this dinner party and people are like affronted oh you don't do things like that and if you if jesus knew the kind of person that she was and you know she's just all in because 
Jesus had been uh, so amazing towards her. I think Jesus comes to her because she encapsulates what it means to follow, to follow him, someone who's fully over the line. But I think it's even more than that. I think it's because Jesus is making a statement to the world that, that, that in this world, the Mary, Mary didn't have a place, but in his, she does. In life, Jesus went to unexpected places and people and he gave voice to the voiceless. He gave people a place who had never had a position. He sought out the left out, the looked over, the written off, and he would write them back in. Jesus always saw what others didn't see. He looked beyond where they were at at that moment to who they were going to become. What I want to say is he sees us. He saw Mary and he declared in life that his father had a place for Mary and here in the, you know, being the first person he comes to in the resurrection and calls her by name. Wow. It, doesn't that shout to all of us? I am known and I can know him. I have a place, you have a place, Jesus has a place for you in his kingdom and in his life. There is a relationship to be had and for many of us we may feel like messed up Mary. But Jesus came looking for the messed up Mary and Jesus was the, and Mary was the first person he came to at the resurrection. Why? Because he wants to tell the world Nobody, no matter how far, how much of a mess up and a screw up we think we are, how, whatever our history is, there is a place. And Jesus calls us by name. Wow, I just find that so powerful. So powerful. And so we've met some people, but all of this is happening. All of this life, and uh, that's, where is it coming from? Well, it's coming from a garden. It's all happening in a garden. I don't know if you, you, you might have missed it first time round, but here's Mary's words saying she, 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 she thought Jesus, um, Jesus, she turns around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize G it was Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. And maybe she got it more right than she realized. Because here, uh, back up, it says in verse 41 of 19, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. I don't think, I have not really seen that in John's gospel before, but now we're walking. We're not screaming through it. John, writing this, wants to make a really strong statement. That this garden that life is all coming out of is reversing something that had happened in the previous garden. You see, we've heard about some of the Easter people, but now we need to talk about the Easter location and it's all happening in a garden. And why? Because the power of death in the garden that we're in today is being reversed. John wants us to see he wants us to look again. 
What's happening in this garden is there is an undoing, a rewriting, a renewing, a reversing of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Genesis paints a picture at the original garden of harmony and synergy where creator and creation are in unity. Where God and man, it says, walk together in the cool of the day. What a beautiful image of just that sense of father and son or parent and child and God and mankind united and walking and conversing, relationship, intimacy, friendship. You know, we've been made to be connected to the creator. And yet it's the very place where humanity chooses its own way. It chooses to take from the tree of life and take what it shouldn't. And then we have, they have to live with the consequences of sin coming in. They take, but in this garden, Jesus gives. They take life. Jesus gives his life. They want to control and preserve life according to their desire. Jesus gives up his life. He doesn't control his life. His life is subject to his father's will. They, the, Adam and Eve bring brokenness and death into the garden where here Jesus is bringing restoration and life. <laughs> COVID in the last year and a bit has caused many of us not to see loved ones. You know, our older generations behind glass in, 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 in care homes where mums are putting their hands to daughters and there's glass between barriers. COVID's brought barriers. The sin that Adam and Eve put into the world has brought barrier. I'll never forget a time when I was pretty young, young lad. Uh, we were living in India and my dad uh, was taking a group of um, teenage students down to the plains on an activity week. I mean, we're talking 1980 something. And uh, while he was away, Mrs. Indra Gandhi was assassinated and the whole country erupted in violence. And it was awful. Um, this is the days before mobile phones and communication lines were cut, martial law was put in place, curfews happened, and uh, we didn't know what had happened. We didn't know where dad was and the kids. It was a horrible time. I mean, as a, as a child, I was like, where's dad? Where's daddy? It was awful. We were suddenly separate. It must have been really tough for my mum. I think three weeks went by before we heard anything, that things were okay. They were held up in a hotel and... Uh, pretty much barricaded in, but everyone was fine. I think it was about a month, to, yeah, at least a month uh, later, We, I was playing in the quadrangle of the school and I saw a Jeep arrive and I getting out of that Jeep was my dad. I dropped everything and ran across the quadrangle. All I was fixed on is my dad is back. And as I ran as a child, I was probably about eight or nine years old, I didn't see a step. And I, and just as before I got to my dad, I clipped the step and just went flying, full Superman, slow motion. Dad's quite a big guy. He ran forward and, and caught me. I collapsed into my dad's arms, crying with 
relief and joy. We've been separated and now we're together. Listen, that is the Easter story. The barriers of Eden have now been broken down in this garden of Calvary. We can connect with our Father in heaven. It's so good. We can be reconciled. The sin and the stuff in us can be has been removed by Jesus. There's been a great reversal in this moment. And I love how it lands when Mary sees Jesus, Rabboni teacher, and dives at his feet in true style. She doesn't care, but she gets a hold of him and she doesn't want to let go. But the reality is this, Jesus says to her, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet returned, but go and tell. Go and tell others. Go and tell you the brothers. Go and tell your disciples. You see, when we realize what Jesus has done and the joy that it brings and the relief that it brings, that our lives and our relationship with God can be restored, Jesus says to us as an Easter people, don't stay here. Don't stay in this garden. Take, take what has happened now and go live it. Go live out of it into the world. Take this forgiveness and this power and go and be an Easter people amongst a broken world. It's powerful. And so that's what Mary does. She goes and she tells her friends and her friends, filled by the Holy Spirit, go and tell others out of this garden comes a movement of people filled with the power of the resurrected Christ to live differently, to live differently in this world. You know, to live with love when hate is shouting, to live with a purity when temptation is all around us, to live in a way that reaches when other people are withdrawing, to live in a way that we go forward when others are pulling back, to live with generosity when the world is holding on, to live with a sense of sacrifice and not selfishness. That's how we bring God's kingdom to this world until another garden comes and that garden is found when Jesus returns and does a restoration not just on the heart of humanity but on the whole of the cosmos. We're in the garden today, it's in the middle, We're, it's undoing what was and what happened in the original garden and it's, and it's, and it's moving us now towards the end garden when Jesus returns and puts everything right. Wow, what a day to celebrate. I'd love to pray for us this morning. Maybe you're a Nicodemus and you've been kind of hanging in the <laughs> hanging out secretly with Jesus. I want to I want to pray for you today that the truth of what has happened at Easter you just have it'll just do something in your life 
where you'll need to come out of the dark. Oh, maybe you're a Mary and it is being messy. It's messy and you're thinking, how can God want me? Let me tell you, God knows you. He calls you by name. And maybe for some of us, just understanding that Jesus has death and resurrection has made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father is just great, great good news. And so I pray for us this morning, wherever we're at, whether we're secret believers wrestling with just other people's opinions to being a people like Mary who feel a mess and maybe even controlled by anxiety and depression and pain or, or worse. We pray now, Holy Spirit, you break in and give us a new day. I pray for those of us that are listening and watching today that God, you would embrace this as my dad embraced me that day. Because of what Jesus has done, there's no barriers anymore and we can come to know you. Amen. Well, blessings to everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your Easter Sunday. And for those who are going to be on a bit of holiday, but a breather over the next couple of weeks, have a good one. Every blessing. Bye.